During the dark days of 1940-1941 and the early part of 1942, when the British public had been forced to swallow an unremitting diet of blood, sweat, tears, toil, and gloom, the RAF and Bomber Command had offered almost the only glimmers of hope. Despite the propaganda spin, while the evacuation of Dunkirk reduced the scale of disaster, it was a disaster nonetheless. British defeats by the Africa Corps on the battlefields of North Africa and by the Japanese in the Far East, where the surrender at Singapore on the 15th of February 1942 was not just the greatest humiliation in Britain's military history, but the moment from which the end of empire could be said to have begun, continued the string of military reverses. Only in the air, where RAF Spitfires and Hurricanes had defeated the German bombers in the Battle of Britain, and Bomber Command was relentlessly taking the war to Germany's industrial cities, could Britain be said to be on the offensive. In late 1942, the victory at the Second Battle of El Alamein, ending on the 3rd of November, and the lifting of the Siege of Malta on the 11th of December, coupled with new tactics at sea which were reducing, though not eliminating, the U-boat menace, suggested the military tide might finally be beginning to turn. But Britain's commanders and people still looked to the air for proof that Germany was paying the price for its aggression. A four-month bombing campaign against the cities of the Ruhr, aiming to pulverise and paralyse the heavy industries based there, and so to disrupt Germany's war production, had begun on the 5th of February 1943 with the bombing of Essen. But arguably the most crucial targets were the string of dams in the hills flanking the Ruhr. They not only generated some of the power the heavy industries required, but also supplied drinking water to the population, pure water for steel-making and other industrial processes, and the water that fed the canal system on which the Ruhr depended, both to move raw materials to the factories and to carry finished products, aircraft parts, tanks, guns and munitions, away from them. However, attempts by main force, as the squadrons carrying out mass bombing raids in Bomber Command were known, to attack small targets with the required accuracy had so far proved ineffective. Where the requirement was for saturation bombing over a broad area, main force could be brutally effective, as the thousand bomber raid that devastated Cologne at the end of May 1942 had already demonstrated. But regular success in bombing individual targets, particularly if they were as difficult to access and as ferociously defended as the dams, had proved elusive. Attacks by torpedo bombers like the Bristol Beaufort and the Fairy Swordfish were foiled by a lack of suitable weapons and by heavy steel anti-torpedo nets strung across the waters of the dams to protect them. A more radical solution was needed, and the British engineering genius Barnes Wallace supplied it, the upkeep bouncing bomb, a cylindrical weapon like a heavyweight depth charge, imparted with backspin to rotate it at 500 revs a minute. If dropped at the right height and distance from the dam, the bomb would skim like a pebble thrown across the surface of the water, bounce over the top of the torpedo nets, and strike the dam wall. The backspin would then hold it against the face of the dam, as it sank below the water before detonating to blow, it was hoped, the dam apart. 
Having demonstrated the theoretical effectiveness of the bomb, all that was needed was a squadron of bomber crews capable of delivering it with sufficient accuracy. Since no such squadron existed, it became necessary to create one. 617 Squadron. And at the end of March 1943, recruitment of suitably skilled and experienced crews began under the leadership of Wing Commander Guy Penrose Gibson. He was a man with a glowing reputation as a fearless pilot, willing to take off in even the most marginal weather and attack the most heavily defended targets, whether capital ships or military or economic targets. The head of Bomber Command, Air Marshal Arthur Bomber Harris, later described Gibson as the most full-out fighting pilot under his command and as great a warrior as this island ever bred.